The Ectoplasm Show is brought to you by North KC's Big Rip Brewing Company. Lighten up dark matter, have a craft beer. Network. Go to podbelly.com where you too can pig out on podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Ectoplasm Show. On this episode, we're going to play an episode we recorded several months ago at a very creepy abandoned tuberculosis hospital in Arkansas that I invited Sam along to. And I'm happy to announce that the Ectoplasm Show will be back in the near future with Sam Culper as a co-host. How are you feeling about that? Well, you know, I've been for years listening to what it's like to sit in the same room and record with Dr. Feelgood. I've tried it a couple of times, but 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 all of that love and affection's always been pointed towards one Josh. Yeah. Josh ain't around. So you know what? Yeah. If Josh ain't gonna be around for it, then I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage and, and I think that uh, maybe there's a chance we might be able to do something together. If it, if it's everything that it's cracked up to be, I'm gonna yeah. give it a go. I, I'm thinking Old school ectoplasm show with new and exciting stuff that we're going to organize and put together. Do on-site investigation recordings, like kind of like we're at the Garnett house right now. We're not investigating tonight, maybe. We'll see. We're going to do topics again and just try to bring a revamped ectoplasm show. Right, and it's going to be a little bit different probably than it always has been in that I'm the quintessential skeptic. I've always, I've always been forthcoming about that i've done uh done lots of investigations with you we've been to places uh um you know and and i'm i'm fascinated by everything i don't believe in anything but i'm open to anything so it's it's kind of it will kind of be fun to be the yin to your yang on this you know and and uh and maybe be able to to bring a different perspective to to some of the stuff that we're talking about and you know i I, I do. I have a blast doing the investigations. I know that when we talk about when you, when we actually do play the podcast that we recorded at the tuberculosis center. I mean, if nothing else, anytime we do any of these investigations, what we are surrounded by is history. Yeah. Uh, either our local history or um, even things on, on a wider scope that have affected the country and the world, like the tuberculosis center. I mean, the, the way. That, that place came about and the stuff that's still there i mean being able to be exposed to that is fantastic yeah um you know this show started as a skeptic and josh that's how this show started it's and skeptical skepticism is a weird term and i've talked about that several times on this show and it doesn't mean what it used to mean but i'm skeptic too but i've had experiences Sure. Um, and I and I also the word believe for me is different too because I don't believe in any of it. I believe in the possibility of it. Right. And, and I'm not saying that you're not that way, but my, my wife and I have a lot of conversations about about that. And you're right. Skepticism probably isn't really. It's not that I'm skeptical. Like let's talk about 
the phantasma, the ghost. Well, skepticism okay. used to be a really good so, thing because you're supposed to have a skeptical but, mind when you're researching mind. something. Yeah, an open mind. But um, it, it also now has come to to implicate that maybe you don't really believe in something until until you you're, you're, you've been given some sign of it. And whether you're talking about ghosts or aliens or um, religious paradigms or whatever, um, it's not that. I necessarily don't believe in any of these things. I've never personally had anything that has given me any first-hand reason to to make that a part of my own yeah. belief. So you believe in the possibility. So, but I, I'm wide just open. Just like I do. And 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 again, who am I to tell someone else that they haven't had the experiences that they've had? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I I wasn't there when they saw what they saw. I also. I, I'm also a, I believe in science. I believe in explanation. I think in so many of the things that that we that I, that you've talked about over the years, and that I've talked about on other podcasts, or that I've gone and explored in various places. That there are a couple of different things that that get in the way of it. One of them is um, if if you're in the business of if, if you're in the business of bringing people in for some sort of recreation or um, voyeurism, you know, I people yeah. want to come in and they want to experience. So that's that. what and YouTube then, you know, paranormal is. The YouTube paranormal. I mean, it, that then it then it becomes tourism. Sure. And if if you're not careful, the tourism becomes skewed with people who now have some sort of financial objective in making sure that the people who come here either come back yeah. or they have a good enough experience that they tell someone else they should go experience what I experienced. That leads me to be more skeptical than maybe some more objective um, research or, or knowledge or information. We're also at a really, really weird time in our own society and cultural development in that we're, we're kind of in this time of... Um, the government exploiting people such that, that there is now a time of release and acknowledgement that maybe there are things out there, but it's kind of half-assed. But there's also like, there's also a, 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 there's a weird trend on the back end of that, that could be detrimental to this field. Horribly detrimental. Um, it's, which is actually probably how it always is. We're just looking at it, our view of frame time in our lifetime. Um, it probably cycles through that all the time. But yeah, so skepticism is a great thing to have. You're, you're supposed to be skeptic of what you're experiencing, whether you believe in it or not. Because well, if you're not skeptic in what you're experiencing, you might be missing out explanations for what it could be. Of course, and people obviously are having experiences. The question is, what are those experiences? What's mm-hmm. caused what it is? And, and you and I come from varied backgrounds, and you've been in this business for quite some time. I've, I've only been in it tangentially and, and almost from a tourism perspective, but yeah. fairly well-traveled. I've been all over the world, and I've been, to, I've been to a lot of really interesting places that have stories behind them. You know, uh, People who have seen certain things and say that if you're in the right place at the right time, you might experience certain feelings or see certain things all over the world. So yeah. this is not anything that's novel to, you know, central Kansas. I mean, sure. this, is, this is something that goes on everywhere and, and it's on the television and whatnot. But um, I also 
come to this from a background of, of mental health. You know, part of my job is dealing with people who are in mental health crisis. And I can tell you, without violating in, any confidences, I've sat in the courtroom with Cleopatra. I've sat in the courtroom with Jesus. I've sat in the courtroom with angels. Yeah. You know, with uh, famous politicians. And, and all of these people were people that I'm fairly comfortable were in some sort of mental crisis. Now, at the same time, there's always often a joke amongst uh, court personnel or the, uh, the medical or psychological personnel. When I put someone on a stand when we're trying to determine whether or not they are competent to deal with, with their emotional trauma or crisis, you know, usually that, that involves whether they're going to be a harm to themselves or someone else. And yeah. it's not against the law to be crazy. It's not against sure. the law to have certain beliefs. Otherwise... We could take almost any mainstream religion and take it to its logical conclusion, and those people are crazy. Yeah, you know, if you take them all, all to the far right extreme or to the far extremes, I don't mean far right, but to the far extremes sure. of any of those religious paradigms. But, but there's always on some level when that person's on the stand and they say, "I've talked to Jesus and He's told me to do this." Yeah, you always have to ask yourself on some level, how do I know He really didn't? You know, on a side note, I think if if my daughter wouldn't be too shy, she might benefit from having a conversation with you because she's going to school for psychology, childhood psychology, and she just interviewed for a job yesterday working with kids from 4 to 17 that are any range of mental health from just having a hard time to homicidal and she has to learn how to, she has to go, if she gets the job, she has to go through these courses of how to restrain these kids and stuff. And, And that's what she's going to school for, but you don't get real-world advice by going to school, right. so... No, and, and I don't care how much how much training that you've had and how many videos you've watched and how many stories that you've read or charts that you've read until you're sitting in the room with someone who, you know, it's this is not... Uh, oftentimes, just like... I mean, I've, I've met Travis Walton, and, you know, that guy believes his story sure yeah all day long that guy believes his story whether you believe it or not whether you follow the movie and you believe the movie or the the follow-on stuff or whatever that guy believes his story Mm -hmm. i believe that and when you're in the room with these people they absolutely 100 percent in compartmentalize and believe that that whatever they're they're telling you is true now whether that's a result of some sort of psychosis that's brought on by a schizophrenic event or uh, some sort of pharmacological event. Maybe they're, they're under some sort of substance, um, substance abuse situation, um, you know. Um, regardless of where it comes from, they believe what they believe. Now, if you take someone that is susceptible to something like that and then you add some sort of outside influence, maybe I do see the lights. I do see, you know, whatever. I mean, it just yeah. seems seems like like you can have some sort of mix of that in, in my business. And those of you that know me as Sam Culper over the years from various other podcasts know that in my real life, one of my many jobs, hashtag I'm not a spy, but mm-hmm. I am, in fact, a lawyer. And, um, and I, I, I worked with a lot of different people, but there's almost no one that I work with that gets themselves in a bad situation that doesn't have either a substance abuse situation or a mental health situation or some sort of co-occurrence of the two. And those things mixed up make people believe all kinds of things.
things. They might have a religious experience. They might hear voices that tell them to do bad things to themselves or bad things to other people. Um, and I've kind of gotten off on a tangent here, yeah, but it's still, okay. it still relates itself back to yeah. what we're talking about. When people have an, an experience where, where they believe that they were um, maybe uh, kidnapped by, by the space aliens and taken aboard mm-hmm. the, the ship, is there some element of either either it's a, a farce and a fraud, they're trying to get some sort of media attention or financial gain, or do they truly believe their story? Um, then there's also the other element of maybe there's there's something else that, that you can use to substantiate it. Maybe there's other extrinsic evidence. Maybe somebody else saw the lights that night. Yeah. Maybe there are two people that say that they were there when whatever happened. You know, There's so many things... That, that I've, I've just always found fascinated. And I grew up watching Leonard Nimoy on TV, and, and, and I'm fascinated by everything that's a mystery, whether it's the pyramids or Stonehenge or, or ghosts or demons or, you know, the, the Ouija board that we just found in the cabinet. I mean, yeah. all of these things are fascinating and fun, but I just, I just don't know what I don't know. And I think that we'll learn more as, as time goes on. Probably not going to learn it right away, but we're going to talk about it yeah. on the ectoplasm show. And yeah, we're going to dig into some some interesting things that we've never talked. We've talked about pretty much every aspect of the paranormal field on the show before, but there's lots of individual cases that I want to start digging into. Well, and something that I would like to do that I that I talked to Jason about when he he pitched this to me, um, I want to do things more from actual interesting places you yeah know, not necessarily from my studio at the house but I, I i like like right now we are in a historic building um i can't even tell you what it is right now it's the 1858 garnett house hotel yeah just a little background about this place just, just so it was originally a hotel in 1858 it was originally a house in 1858 the people didn't last very long here because the house leaned and they moved out and they sold it. It became a hotel. And pretty much every like gangster cowboy from the late 1800s had stayed here. I saw somewhere or heard somewhere from the owners that maybe, I, I might be getting this wrong, so bear with me. But I think it's the, the oldest standing wooden structure that was a certain type of building west of the Mississippi. I may be wrong in that. Maybe it's just in Kansas. But... I don't, I'm not sure. It is all on the website if you guys want to check it out. It's 1858hotel.com. All the history is on there. And then it was a doctor's office for a long time. And there's all kinds of crazy activity here. And sometime in the near future, we will probably... We could come here anytime, literally. Anytime it's not booked. So we can do a more in-depth investigation episode of this place. Which I want to include video when we go on site. So you may have to wear your mask if you don't want to be on video. We'll work it out. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what the Ectoplasm Show is going to be. I just wanted to do a quick reintroduction of the reboot of the Ectoplasm Show. Josh isn't 100% gone, but he's just going to pop in whenever he wants to. I'm not, I can't say that he will or not. Here's the deal, Josh. I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm coming for you, man. Um, I, he might still be looking for that elusive L word out there. I don't know. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's okay to be emotionally vulnerable. I am. I'm emotional I, I, I all the know time. Where you are, and you can, you can, you could give in. You could give in just, just mm. every once in a while. We'll see. Maybe send him a card. Yeah. 
Maybe if you guys let him know that you love him, uh, maybe he'll come on more often so, now. So in case, in case you know, I, I know, I know, Jason's always had a call in number on here, and oh there's yeah, there's a Facebook group, and there's all those things. Why don't we just give him Josh's number, and they can just come to the house and, and let him know? Um, I I don't know Josh's address, but you can send stuff to the Manor if you want to. That address is online. There's also there might be a phone number for the Manor online. I don't know. I'm What's not I'm not giving out his personal number. Oh come on! <laughs> all right, fine. Not today. What I would say is not today. We do have a phone number though. It's nine one three seven three zero seven two five five. I haven't checked it in a long time. There could be all kinds of things in there, but we'll save that for the first episode we actually put together for the reboot. And I will tell you this. You're, you're going to need to call in that number. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Uh, let us know what you like or you don't like. Tell me how much better I am than Josh as an addition to this show. Also, you're going to need to talk to Jason about giving me a raise for this. I mean, I've already mm-hmm. negotiated. I'm not getting paid. This doesn't matter. Okay. I've already negotiated a, a fairly reasonable wage for this, but, but, but you know, if he's going to keep me on board, he's going to have to keep cranking that up as, as listeners get big, and I, this is going to blow up. So we're going to have a great time here, if nothing else, and we do appreciate you guys listening. We are members of podbelly.com, Podbelly Network. Uh, I should probably mention that, even though I'm not sure really what's going on with that network anymore. You might actually know more than I do. But also, I did mention to a few people in the SK podcast group, and they're excited that you're coming on the show. Well, I, I will tell you that I did, even though this is the big secret that no one's supposed to know about, and no one, no one, I don't know where it leaked from, but I also did receive some messages from people saying, hey, I heard a thing. So um, check out Podbelly. Podbelly's got a bunch of great shows on there. Yeah. If nothing else, our good friends over at the Sofa King podcast you can find them at sofakingpodcast.com. Those are the guys that brought us together originally, and we've yeah. done a lot of great stuff with them. I did, in fact. It's how uh, we met year, is, years ago. Um, so I was kind of uh, harassing Brent yesterday while they were doing some live recording. Um, so I know those guys are doing well. I miss them, and hopefully they'll they'll tune in here. So, But, uh, yeah, check us out. We are at the Arkansas Tuberculosis Sanitarium. We're allowed to say where we're at, right? You told me last time we weren't, but I've found online that all kinds of people, including the museum, talks about paranormal stuff here. In fact, I think it said, didn't we say, decide it said yeah, online it said that, that now open for paranormal teams. The museum paranormal, posted that. Paranormal teams again. So maybe so we go back and we maybe we bleep this out. I Who can knows? bleep it out. We can see. We can bleep it out. We're probably going to bleep told? out half the shit that's said during this podcast yeah. anyway. I'm here with anyway. Matt. Lampy. Lampy. I didn't. I know how it's spelled, but I figured that was. I wanted you to say it, so just like the town of Missouri. Yeah, you invited me here like a year ago. That's how we met, and now we're back. That was probably about the thirteenth or fourteenth time I've been here. Yeah, and we also got Sam, who's been on the show several times. It's good to be back. It's yeah. good to be back, and and he plied me here. I've I've got I've got a burger oh. here, so I'm gonna you know. Uh, Who is Sam? So. So, uh, this is Sam. Oh. Sam. Okay. Yeah. I'm Sam. Sam gotcha. Culper. Yeah. It's complicated. You can bleep that out, too. Perfect. <laughs> we don't have to bleep it out. So, most of the people who know me um, are, are going to know me at some point uh, because we've talked about it on, on shows. If, mm-hmm. if you go far enough back through ectoplasm from the Breakers podcast. Yeah. Uh, I had the Breakers podcast that was out for, for quite some time, and uh, we wrapped a, a few years ago, and 
I've kind of been in the wind for a little while, but uh, they brought me back this one time uh, so I could come in here and see all of the, the ghosts of the, the tuberculosis. We I'm looking for haven't them. had a show out in a, this year. This will be the first episode out this really? year. Yeah, we kind of been on a break, so. Um, well, that's exciting to be back. Yeah. I mean, does that mean does that mean that I'm the, that I'm the new co-host? Sure. Can I call you Doctor Feelgood, Mister uh, Sexy. You'll have to fight Josh for that. I don't know if I want to fight Josh. We'll talk, Josh. But anyways, Matt, this is like the thirteenth, fifteenth time you've been here. Twentieth, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Over ten years we've been coming here. All right. Well. Tell us a story about this place. What's oh. happened to you here? The big thing. It's well, a big thing, right? Let's back up a little bit. And okay. be- before we talk about the madness that's happened, tell us about the Boonville, I mean, the, about the, the Arkansas Tuberculosis Sanitarium, the story behind it. What What is this place? What was it? How has it morphed over the years? And, and, and how did how did you come to to be poking around in the basement with all of the creepies? Well, ever since it closed back in the 70s, early 80s from this place, really stopped being used from the facility up on the hill and all the people. Uh, once they started just storing everything here, uh, they started with some of the uh, officials and some of the workers here started exploring the place. And then Ken, uh, one of our friends, uh, started running the show and started inviting people in. And it's basically like the Isle of Tortuga. You can only come here and investigate, or at least it used to be that way, mm-hmm. uh, if you had investigated this place previously. So the, just so you know, the museum here posted Ken's phone number and said, if you want to do a paranormal investigation, give this guy a call. So that it's out in the public for sure. But we might so want, I'm not, we might, I'm we not want, worried we about might, hiding we it. We might want to yeah. talk to Ken and have him block that out just so, so yeah. we can keep an exclusive. Uh, well, he didn't post it. Anyways. Yeah. So so taken back by that. So this was feelings are hurt, Ken. Built in the what thirty eight th- between nineteen thirty eight and nineteen forty, right? Is what the building says on the side of the building. I, I think so. I think some of the earliest stuff that I've seen here was thirty eight, thirty nine, um, uh, in some of the rooms that we've been in. And, and to kind of describe this facility, I mean, how 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 wide is this? Do you have any idea how? I mean, it's like a city block about long. F- most of the hallways, except for a couple of extensions on the first floor, is about 500 to 520 feet long. Right. So this building is huge. And there there's a basement level. Uh, then there's this main first floor that we're on. Mm-hmm. And then there's three levels actually above us that, that consist of what would have been at one time patient rooms. And, and if you had tuberculosis in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, then what they had to do is identify you and isolate you. And this was the Arkansas tuberculosis facility for everyone who got tuberculosis and was white. Uh, they're actually what that, that it was, it was uh, partitioned at the time. I, I read some about that. But, uh, and they would put you here, and um, there's kind of there's x-ray machines all around, and they would give you the medical treatment that, uh, that they could at the time and help get you through it, and you either... Uh, survived long enough that you beat the tuberculosis or the consumption, as we often see on the, the, the tombstones when we're looking at uh, the cemeteries and whatnot, or uh, you, you might have uh, perished in here uh, with tuberculosis. And then yeah. after that, then it, it had, it kind so of... So this says it was, the grounds itself was started in 1909. There were other facilities that treated tuberculosis before this building was built. But this building was built in the 1938 under a certain act, 
And it said, it says, sorry, 70,000 patients came through this building. 70,000. That is the tuberculosis side of it. Just just to, I mean, 70,000 people. And I know, I mean, there's the town of Boonville uh, that's just, just, we're, we're just outside of Boonville basically right now. And I know they said that at its prime, the population of this facility was larger than the population of the city of Boonville. They basically didn't need anything from the right. town below. They had everything Every, on there, this hill that there, they possibly needed. There's actually a fire department up on the hill up here. There, I mean, it's the the scope of, of this facility is amazing, which I think is why it's continued to be in use because it's just too valuable of a property. And there's actually some construction on the site right now, but I know uh, currently there are a number of people who live here as some sort of... Uh, uh, inpatient uh, rehabilitation for either mental health or, or things of that nature, uh, uh, but they, but it is a residential facility right now where yeah. a number of people live, but not in the building that we're actually investigating and exploring. There are a few offices in here on on the main floor, but but most of it is is dilapidated and probably beyond repair at this point. Yeah. So online it also says that the building itself houses 512 patients. They must have cycled through that quite a bit because if you do 512 patients a year that would take 136 years to go through 70,000 patients so it must have either packed more in here or they cycled through more than so so somebody somebody's going to write in or call into your secret code number i know you got your your phone i'm sure you've checked 9137307255 yeah he he never checks those messages because i call all the time but um you are a liar I'm, I am a liar. But I, I was reading somewhere about the tuberculosis, and they learned not long in it, uh, it, it. I think they finally figured out how they could actually cure people or um, vaccinate for it or whatever towards the, the, the mid to late 60s and the 70s, which is why it waned. But prior to that, they learned that um, once you caught tuberculosis, you were no longer um, communicable after a period of time, like like either a few weeks or a couple of months or whatever. So if you could stay alive away from everyone else, locked down in this facility for long enough, then they could send you home. So I think that's why you had such a rapid turnover of people through here is because they just had to basically quarantine you from the rest of society. And, I mean, it was it was a really, really big deal uh, when when tuberculosis was a thing, I mean it it knocked out a lot of people. But, yeah. but they they would if they found out you had it, they shipped you off to this place right here in Arkansas. Sometimes not at your own free will either. I, I'm sure that's the case. Oh, they would yeah. arrest you in yeah. your homes and yeah. drag you to the facilities here and literally lock you in a room. Yeah, it it and people would try to escape and I, yeah, be heard from again. <laughs> and so it, the grounds itself are now a behavioral health facility. But I don't know if this building was used to house patients for any of that because when you look at the upper floors, it doesn't look like it's changed since the 70s when it was shut down. It was more a big smorgasbord of all the different diseases and mental health that everything was treated in this one general area for a short amount of time until they really started specifically diverging onto specific and diseases and when, when when i look around at the floors up there and and some of the rooms are 
are some of the floors have rooms that look like they might have been for one or two patients with a bathroom in it. Some of them are rooms that would share a bathroom across a couple of rooms that that might have had a couple of people in them. But there are also, you know, we've talked about the the wing that's blocked off with the chain link fence that you mm-hmm. can't get through. And that's not something that I would have anticipated. Bars on the windows. Bars on the windows in just a tuberculosis type situation. So that that's what leads me to believe that that it might have transitioned back then because mm-hmm. the 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 way we handled mental health in the seventies when they would have made that transition was was I mean it's terrible now, but it was horrifying back then the things that we would do for folks uh, who had mental health illnesses that. Um, that we're only just now even starting to figure out why you have, you know, how to deal with those things. So it looks to me like it might have transitioned at least for a period of time to some of that, but I know they've built a lot of residential stuff around as well. But um, I know driving around the facility today, there's a, there's almost like a community around of of old houses and things like that where Mm -hmm. doctors would have lived actually on the campus Doctors and nurses and families of the patients. Families, well. really, families of the patients. Families as of the well. patients would be invited if they were going to be in dire straits or if people were starting to know that they're going to be passing on soon, then they would invite people to stay to outlive the. What was I telling you, Jason? And, and yeah, I'm going to keep eating my burger. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what What was I telling you? It was like fifteen dollars a month or something like that it was ten dollars a month ten dollars a month unless at some point right throughout when it was open for tuberculosis right so so you had to pay ten dollars a month unless you got a waiver Mm -hmm. and some sort of public funding for indigency so that that gives you an idea of what it costs to actually stay here so if your family was going to be in dire straits then that might be you know some sort of commensurate cost of of a family staying so let's talk a little bit about a few of the odd things that we've seen in here. And um, I, I want to start with something that Brian's looking in. Shit. <laughs> Cut. I want to start with something that Sam's looking into. And I don't want to mention the patient's name because we don't know whether or not this patient is alive or not. But at some point in the 80s, a patient was here that had a very good observation and drew what he saw more than on a daily basis, just throughout the entire time he was here. He had to have. So I'm really curious if you're actually going to go back and listen to this and make any of those cuts. I will, because I have to yeah. check a couple things anyways. I know. Feelings are hurt. <laughs> so, so I, It's let, so hard, right? So It's so hard because I call you... No, I no, I I understand, so. <laughs> and, and I and I've been around the world with people who knew me by by both, and um, I I don't even mind if you keep this in here at this point. You know, we can we can talk about it. It, it might be fun fun for a little little peek into the background. But um, when I was doing Breakers podcast and um, the Sofa King podcast and some of those other things, I, I've always gone by my my pseudonym, mm. you know, my my nom de plume, if yeah. you will, uh, and. There are a few people who kind of know the the origin story of it, but uh, over the years, I've I've become Sam. I mean, I have as many friends in my life who know me as Sam as who know me my, by my my actual name, uh, mm-hmm. and they're friends that I've made all over the world through through podcasting and through 
the comic cons that I've been to and the paranormal conventions that I've been to and, and things like this. So, um, but also there are enough of them now who know me in real life that, that know that situation. So I'm not that worried about it. But uh, so to, to get back into what we were talking about, there, there's not, th- this place has been used for storage mm-hmm. for for decades and decades and decades. I mean, yeah, those, found, that, that Aqua Vela yeah. down there has been down there since the 90s or yeah, 80s. And, and someday we'll figure out why in the hell there are, Cases and cases and cases of aqua velva and combs, mm-hmm. but hairbands uh, that really hairbands. There are a millions <laughs> of hairbands, so it, it looks to me like like someone has uh, maybe gotten some deal with someone in China to sell some things and gotten a, a huge amount of inventory. They do say and, made by China on the and side stored it in the basement of this place. Yeah, uh, there also is some other interesting things in the basement of this place. It was actually a civil defense. Yeah, uh, repository. So, so there's a lot of uh, civil defense food and things crackers. like that from the crackers and and water and uh, alcohol and and things like and medical supplies yeah. uh, that that would be from the 70s as a civil defense repository. So, so there there are things Actually, like I that. Those were from the 60s. From the 60s. So, yeah, the boxes yeah. say 62 on the right. side of them. So, so we probably shouldn't be eating those crackers tonight. I actually right? saw a video. On YouTube of people eating those crackers, the exact ones, not from here, but the same case. Yeah. And they said they had no flavor, but they weren't bad for you. Like, they didn't make them sick. We're not going to die. <laughs> We're not going to be comfortable. But anyways, so the first time I was here, I, I found these um, boxes that had spiral notebooks and large spiral notebooks. They're probably three, five subject spiral notebooks. And every page... It, at first glance, it looks the same. Every page has a car on it with a person in it. And it looked like he just sat there and drew that over and over and over again. And and, and I want to be clear. Um, in the storage facility down there, there's there's boxes and boxes and boxes of of documentation. Mm-hmm. But very, very there, there's almost nothing down there that is really referencing patients. So mm-hmm. it's not not like they're... they're Confidence is being violated. Most of the stuff that's stored here is old purchase orders and and um, thing, things like that, you know, just basic record keeping when people were ordering food and supplies for, for the the heating unit and stuff like that. But there's, there's however many years going back to the 30s of records that are kept down there. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, there happened to be a few boxes of these random notebooks. And... You know, well, when we say a few, but there's like five or six at least. Well, yeah. As as we keep looking, there there are just many, 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 and and if I'm going to grab one of these just for the sake of argument right now because it is just simply fascinating that whoever this young man was that was in this place, and I, I've I've done a little bit of uh, super sleuthing, investigating, if you will, and it appears that. He was in this place around 1985 to 87 from some of the things that I've seen. The clothes that the people in his drawings are wearing or whatever. But there are literally hundreds of these spiral notebooks that you would have had when you were in the fifth grade. And on in those notebooks, you can start at the very first page. And every page in the book, it looks to me as if this young man is looking out the window of his room 
and he sees whatever car was parked out there that day. And there's a rudimentary drawing that looks like it was drawn by someone who is between 7 and 10 years old, probably. Uh, and it has the make and the model of the vehicle. And it has a person. You can tell if it's a male or a female, even though it's kind of a rudimentary drawing. Mm-hmm. And then the only thing that's usually colored is their clothing. Yeah. But it will have the license plate number off of the vehicle. And it will have the make and the model of the vehicle. For example, I'm looking at a page that shows an Arkansas license plate with a Dodge Spirit, and there's a woman wearing a yellow dress. And if you turn the page... It has earrings. It also has what looks like what we think we determined to be a sticker that was a parking pass. Right, right. There's a parking pass Mm -hmm. that shows that that they did park because this was the Behavioral Health... Center. BHDC. Yeah. Well, it it would have been the name of the facility, but every one of them has BHDC with whatever their parking pass is on there for that day. If I flip the page, then there is a Dodge Omni, has another what appears to be female. She's got longer hair, earrings and glasses, and she's wearing a red shirt, and it has the license plate from her vehicle and her parking pass. And it it literally, you turn, and it's page after page. The next one is an Oldsmobile Cutlass with the license plate, and this young lady is wearing earrings, and she's got a brown and white striped dress on. And then, every once in a while, once we get through four or five cars, we get to find out what he watched on television that night. For example, this one says on KPOM-TV 24's Family Feud Game, and he writes Family Feud Show, Wednesday night, 5 p.m., with your host is Mr. Ray Combs on the evening family... Evening, evening Families Game Show, and he has drawn a rudimentary photo, a picture of whoever the ho- host was on Family Feud that night. And as I've gone through these books, um, I can see where in the morning sometimes he would watch Sesame Street, and there would be pictures. It would show uh, the the list of all of the the cast members and the characters and the time and the station that it was on and what they talked about on Sesame Street that day, and then you would turn the page, and it would be another vehicle that was parked out in front. So the next one shows an Arkansas license plate on a Chevy. Um, I don't even know what kind of Chevy this is. I can't read the writing, but it's someone else with a, a yellow shirt. But I just I try to imagine, you know, we talk about the nature of our mental health system um, and, and the different quirks that people have now. I mean, we've identified since then um, people who have issues with um, bipolar disorders or schizophrenia or uh, various um, levels of the autism spectrum and things like that. And during the 70s, if you had these types of disorders, oftentimes our our answer was to lock you up. And and I just, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely intrigued by this. And there's, there's nothing here that really gives away who he is, so I'm not, uh, you know, I, there's there's no confidence violated here as to who he is, really, but but I know that there was this young 10-year-old or 8-year-old or whatever who was sitting in a room every single day looking out his window, and this was his life. Um, but to me, of all of the things that I've seen here, and there, there's there's really fascinating things in this place, you know, just the, the way that it's set up and, mm-hmm. and reading the history and, and looking at the architecture and you know, we've we've looked in, you know, secret tunnels and crazy things like that. It's it's just been been amazing. But but to me, this is this is 
probably the the most emotional and impactful thing that stands out for me because I want to I want to know this person. I want to know yeah. where they are because they're roughly the same age as I am. And and when I'm looking through here at the television shows that he's looking at, I mean, he talks about watching Nightline with Ted Koppel. This picture right here shows Mr. Rogers, and he would regularly watch Mr. Rogers. I see lots of pictures, and oftentimes it says Mr. Fred Rogers. Um, but but you can tell what he was doing, and he was always apparently with one of these books. And I mean, it, it's it's amazing how identical and consistent it is. And this this has to have gone on for years because what um, what did we decide ultimately? There was maybe seven of these boxes, boxes, thirty to fifty in each, yeah. in each I mean, box, hundreds of these. And, and this is not not three hundred pages. Well, maybe this is not the thin pages. spiral notebook that that you would get. This is. This is a 200-sheet, oh. five-subject spiral notebook, uh, which incidentally cost $1.72 at Walmart yeah. back in 1980-whatever that was. Well, we had a weird coincidence happen with this, potentially with this very patient today while we were away from the building. So we were deciding, we decided to do a little exploring on our way in before we got here, and we stopped at a couple cemeteries, and the second cemetery we stopped, actually it was the third one of the day we stopped at, it was at the end of a dirt road, there was no sign for it, there was a sign on the gate, you had to get out, walk through the woods, and it was really overgrown, and half of the headstones there have the exact same last name as this patient, which is a, a really strange coincidence. And that's only like a mile from here. So, will you plan to really dig into this kid and I, see I, what you can find out about him? I, I, I'm just just extremely intrigued, and I and I'd like to know where he is and what happened to him and what was his story. You know, did did he? Because my guess is he's not still here. Uh, so so did did he? Was he able to to make it out somewhere? Did somebody take care of him and? Or, or did they were they able to, to figure out exactly what his glitch was and, and, and maybe work through it somehow? Either well, there's nothing really from the notebooks that I saw that you can really identify what why he might have been here. No, and, and, and in in one of the boxes there actually is a medical chart uh, that is the standard medical chart that for a child psychiatric patient, and it has you know basically his diagnosis and his daily regimen and his behaviors and and it's all of those dividers but it's been purged like i would expect it to be it's not something that that i as a an investigator here should have access to that would be completely inappropriate so you know i mean it's it's something that that a lot of it's going to have to be just left to my imagination to to wonder i mean we, we like like you had said, and we, we weren't going to put out here. We do know his last name because it was written in one of the books. Mm-hmm. But 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 there's nothing from that that we can really identify yeah. who who the the young man was. But uh, for example, I'm looking, and, and some of you this this will take you back. Um, this says, um, let's see, Lewis and Maria from AETNS, Natasha, Oscar the Grouch. And Sleeping Beauty were all on Sesame Street. Writes the fifth of seventh in a row. Stories called on Tuesdays. Two Sesame Street shows with Sleeping Beauty in them. And he's drawn these photos 
of Oscar the Grouch and Sleeping Beauty, and who I would guess is um, Lewis and Maria, who if you are of my generation, uh, you can decide what that is. You damn sure know who Lewis and Maria is. I was actually listening to a podcast today that was talking about how much we have failed because Sesame Street isn't much anymore because we were all too cheap to buy the uh, the, the tote bag from the oh. sponsor of the free <laughs> television. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Where it was like, you know, Sesame Street is brought to you by uh, the foundation of so-and-so. Please yeah. donate to our fundraiser or whatever. And now I think you've got to subscribe to HBO Plus or whatever oh, to yeah. to go back and get some of the old Sesame Streets. But this it just it really took me back because there there are a number of these shows and uh, and things that, that he talks about here that would be things that when I was seven or eight years ago or seven or eight years old at the same time that, that I would have been watching. I can't imagine turn waking the, up turn every it a couple pages there. Is that another Okay, that's another car. It just has a different yeah. grill. Yeah, it's another car, and, and sometimes you got a little bit more excited with the grill. Um, and and it, was, it was interesting. The way that I've been able to determine the date from it is because if it had a bumper sticker on it, then he would write the bumper sticker. So you would have the, the parking pad, pass mm-hmm. number on it. Um, you, I, I can tell you that this particular vehicle, I'm not going to give the license plate number, but... I can tell you that it is a Dodge Ram. Uh, this is a man. He's wearing sunglasses and a, a blue shirt with a yellow stripe, but it does say Dodge Ram. It was purchased from Schwartz Dodge Chrysler Plymouth uh, in Paris, Arkansas, because if there was a sticker on the back, he wrote the sticker on his picture. But I can also tell you that this one had um, a, another plate on it that said 99.1 FM, the country giant where there was some sort of sticker on there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the kid was incredibly observant, but he was compulsive. You know, when I, when I look at, at, at reasons that he might have been here, I mean, this was clearly a compulsion that, that if there was a car parked out there that he saw, he wrote it down. So here's, an, here, here's another one that says, um, that this is something that I could research and find out to get an exact date, but Big Bird and Mr. Tony Danza, from AETNS Sesame Street. Um, writes on the 6th of 7th in a row. Uh, stars called on Tuesday. Two Sesame Street shows. 20 tennis matches. And it's got a photograph. of Or a, a photograph. It's got a, a really fun drawing of. I'll, yeah. I'll show you across the table here, Goonie. Um, this is Big Bird and Tony Danza. So um, it, it, it's just. It's fascinating. And you know. Whenever. I, I've been able, I've been fortunate enough. You've invited me on on several investigations over the years. We've we've been been through some neat places, some Masonic lodges, and some uh, a number of old buildings, and mm-hmm. then then we've we've done some cemeteries and some hiking together. And um, it just a lot of it for me because I've I've been on the show, and anybody who who's followed long enough to remember me knows that I'm kind of the 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 cautiously optimistic skeptic you know i i don't believe in anything but i'm open to anything yeah i don't have i'm not going to tell you that it's not real because i can't tell you that you didn't see what you saw and i can't tell you that the ghosts aren't out there but i can tell you that i haven't ever had a personal experience uh so for me a lot of these these trips are me being able to experience 
basically our history. And this is our history, and this is kind of a dark part of our history. Yeah. But when I look at things like these these books, I mean, oftentimes we see things that, that are going to, you know, inform you that there was a person there, or you're going to read a story that it might have been about something. But, I mean, th- this is a very, very re- – I mean, this, this makes it very, very real and very close to home to me. So, uh, I mean, if, if these books right here – and, and, and I hope, knowing how old that he is, or, or, or would be, that, that this young man is still alive. But I would say that these books here are probably the closest thing that I've ever come to, to seeing a ghost on one of these trips. Makes sense. Yeah. So. Speaking of ghosts. Let's talk about ghosts. Matt's been chomping at the bit here. Matt, Matt, Matt's, Matt's been tired of listening to me run my mouth. They, we can't, we can't hear the ghosts because Sam won't quit talking in the hallways while they're trying to record. So oh, we're gonna have a big conversation after this is over too. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to know? I want to know what you've experienced here before the last couple of days and the last time I was here. So you were telling Sam earlier, and you've to mentioned Sam. to me as well. That your biggest experience in your ghost hunting time was here. And, and let me, if I might, just Experiences and take yeah. over your show here. Um, have, you, have you been on the show before? No. Never. Never. So this is your first time, virgin, popping the cherry. <laughs> and no Josh. No Josh. I'm sorry you're not able to experience Josh. But, Josh, we're looking for you, brother. Um. I, I was curious, um, even even to go back a little bit deeper, since since some of the folks don't know you, uh, I know that you've talked about investigating here quite a bit, but I always like to know when people have had experiences and do believe in certain things, where does that come from? I mean, how, how did you get into this business where, I mean, to give you guys an idea, you've seen enough of the Ghost Hunter shows on TV. I'm looking here across the desk and there's like 14 opened up padded briefcases with all kinds of bullshit made up technology that may or may not be real. I have no idea. Um, it looks well, fancy. A lot of it is um, Just cases? technology for other things okay. that are used. Some of it's specifically made for ghost hunting, right. sure. So, so he's got all, all of this fancy stuff. I mean, clearly this is not your first rodeo. You've been doing this for a while. So it's something that, that you've researched and you've learned and you've been doing for quite some time. What what got you into the business in the first place to actually put you here in Boonville at the sanitarium so many times and then tell us tell us what you've really experienced and, and, and what the most profound thing is that you've seen? Sure, Sam. Thanks for the question. And uh, just to say, uh, I grew up with a, a really spooky backyard that I couldn't go into without my parents because it freaked me out. Um so, and, and I would see some things in my old house that I didn't really recall until later on in my teens when I first started seeing paranormal shows on television. And this is before Zach Bagans and all of the ghost hunters uh, started their television careers and everything. Other shows that would portray ghost stories or certain investigators just doing a random documentary and uh, showing cool things that would happen to them and started getting me going into cemeteries with friends and trying to talk to the dead that way. 
And uh, that progressed to me seeing a Ghost Adventures show where they portrayed one of the spirit boxes, which is basically a radio that scans forwards or backwards. You can control it either way. You can change the speed of how fast it it scans through, and generally the technology is to where it scans so fast through the stations that if you get some actual conversations speaking intelligently back to the questions that you're answering, it's not supposed to be legible that it's actually radio coming in and that it's actually spirits manipulating that audio or the audio frequencies in a way that they can rearrange that audio in a way for us to understand them. Anyway, so that in a nutshell got me taking my spirit box to cemeteries and getting some amazing responses with the one that I still have from over 10 years ago that I bought. That got me introduced randomly to a person who knew somebody in a team, which got me onto my very first team, which they have, they had had many experiences here already at the hospital, and I was told about this place and hyped up about this place long before I ever even got to come here and hyped up on the way down here. And then lo and behold, the first night I was here, we got to experience something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. So, so what you, you say you've experienced something that you'll never forget for the rest of your life. You're going to have to do better than that. Oh, sure. I'll elaborate on that, Sam. Um, <clears throat> So we, the third floor up in this place was always known for the shadow man to show himself. And usually the best way to see him is from far away. Wait a minute. I've been here for two nights and nobody's told me about the damn shadow man. Well, technically you were here for one night and this is the beginning of the second night. Okay. But that being said, we were busy, you and I were busy exploring because you broke your car and got here really late last I, night. I did. I so did. don't accuse us of not telling you about this place in full detail. I'd interrupt. He's trying to tell us about the shadow man. <laughs> we were here seven hours already by the were, time he showed up. You were yelling at him, not <laughs> letting him finish his story. I did. I had I had I had a really, really rough drive down and, and fe- feelings were hurt. I'll just put it at that. So Shadow Man, tell me about the Shadow Man because this this is new to me and I've been here, so So one of the coolest ways that you can see him is up on any of the floors, there's usually a window at either end of the hallway so you can see some light protruding from the outside. So if you're down at one end of the hallway because this guy does not like to usually come anywhere near you and he tries to stay as far away from you as possible, first time I went up on the third floor, I was with a longtime investigator who had been doing it for a while already, and we're sitting there at the other end of the hallway, and by God, you could see a person peeking out just kind of looking down the hallway or walking across, and there'd just be a shadow of a person just moving or see him just peeking out or ducking down, or sometimes he would move really fast in a very short amount of time towards you and so, then just disappear. So while, while you're seeing him, were you able to, to document that in some way? We have not been able to capture the shadow on video. Okay, so... And have you heard of other teams that have experienced the Shadow Man, this particular character? Yes. Okay. Is there any any prevailing theory out there as to who the Shadow Man might be or what his story is? The only piece of any sort of evidence 
that it might remotely be related to somebody that we can document is up in the museum after me and a couple other people a couple of years later had experienced the first time the shadow man except actually come up right in front of our faces and show us his face and we could see his shirt the color of his skin his hair everything it was ridiculous anyways yeah you can you have some some actual detail of oh it was ridiculous and then multiple people witnessed it and it was within 10 feet in front of our faces so is this somebody that you would recognize from a photograph if there were old photographs come to this we actually with a, with another investigation that somebody had here a birthday party actually and i came here for my for my uh bachelor party so i mean yeah so <laughs> i can say for josh's sake that malvern manor is often used for bachelor parties and some very gross things have happened in that building so i'm sure it's the same one here you don't have to go into detail about your bachelor party here but let's get back to this this guy it was all dudes. That was a commercial. <laughs> that was a commercial you it just was. dropped. Yeah. Wow. I, I put it right in. Have you been I to Malvern Manor? I should be getting Manor? paid for I that. Know. See, I was supposed to go to Malvern Manor, and it crashed the other day. It crashed? We, we weren't able to make it. We oh, that's right. Yeah. We had a plan. That was yeah. in the fall, or in the winter. Feelings were hurt. Mm -hmm. Twice right. I've been there. All right. Wonderful restaurant right next door, by the way. Okay. I'm just putting it out there. Well, there is a couple of restaurants there. there yeah. are, they're, they're I don't get paid by them either. Now that, now, now, <laughs> now that we've paid for the show here. <laughs> okay. So it, where were we? Remind where happened, so, so, I would so, get it anyways, not so, you guys. You were talking about uh, having seen some identifying features, and then you guys were in the museum. So one time when a person had a birthday party here, I don't know how they were able to get access, but they let the our entire group of, like, 20 30 people go up to the museum of this place and just go around and investigate it all night long as much as we wanted to i thought you had friends here those people i barely even knew and i was kind of a third party invite but so really the only person i know oh you guys well of course yes no no you're family are you kidding me come on yet we're still not in the museum I have never been allowed back into the museum, and I have asked many. That's probably because of the bachelor times. birthday party. But anyway, so somebody went into the museum, and they saw a photograph. They got gurneys. They got everything from inside this hospital in there. And oh, I look, God, we're going to have fun with gurneys tonight. Oh, yeah. Well, those aren't gurneys. They're boards. No, we're going to put it on a gurney. We're strapping. We have a gurney? There's gurneys down there. Down. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get down. Jason's okay. going to get down. Might so, turn into a bachelor party. Anyway, ADD, here we go. Butterflies. And there was a picture on the wall, and I seen this guy's face, and I swear it looked exactly like the person that we saw that night. Was there any identifying? I mean, do we know who the picture was? I did uh, not. Have, there wasn't anything on there, and I didn't open up the back of the photo to right. note the picture frame. You know, we're, we're supposed to really touch Take a picture of it? I did not have my phone. Actually, no, I did take a picture of it at one point, but that yeah. was seven years ago, sure. maybe eight years ago. Yeah, well, we, but, we, uh, we, we certainly need to get up here. There, there is a museum on site. They're has, only open during the right, weekday. But they're only open during the weekday, so we're, we would have to come up here on a Friday uh, or something and try to catch the – Early on a Friday. Yeah, and try to catch the, catch the museum because it would be really interesting to see some of the historical artifacts that they have there, although there are plenty that are still in the building, so mm – -hmm. But so 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 you've seen the shadow man, uh, and you've seen a photograph of, of who you believe that he might be. Uh, the photograph that you saw was that of of somebody that appeared to have been 
a patient or maybe a medical professional or... It definitely seemed like somebody who was living on site and was being medically treated for something. Right. Huh. But so, this wasn't far away either. Right. This is when he... And, and you've been here 13 times. How many of those occasions would you would you say that you've run into the shadow man? Nine of those no times. Oh shit, nine probably. times. Now that's from far away. I've only ever gotten to see his face and his clothes and stuff once. Okay. Was there was there anything that you would uh, have recognized as some sort of attempted communication? The smile on his face. He was smiling. It was a wicked smile. You like, said that was, he was kind of like... It's like a joker face. Yeah, but you said that he was... What's the term? Was he happy where, that where you were here? Or? Where your face is sunken in. Kind of. Not Definitely well, protruding cheekbones. When, yeah, when you look at tuberculosis patients, they're they're always very, very sunken in. So that, yeah. that's not an uncommon. So he definitely could have been uh, for that. So, so what other types of things besides the shadow man? I know you've heard noises, and, and I know even today you had your, your video running. You, you, you told us you thought you heard a, a little girl yep. talking. I was up uh, on the third floor by myself in the cage area where they used to keep the mentally insane right. patients and stuff. Heard a little girl is what I sound like from way down in the end of the hallway. You're sure it wasn't Jason? Yeah, he doesn't sound like a little girl. He's got, oh. <laughs> he's got kind of a deeper voice. You don't know what I do when I'm by myself. But uh, the child's voice is very prominent and very well known here in the hospital as well. That's we had that that group of people that was here that night. They caught them one of the most amazing EVPs I've ever heard in my life from right okay. here in this room. So, for, for for those of us in the kindergarten class here, what's an MVP? Oh, an EV, EVP. EVP. Is elect- I, I know yeah. what an MVP is. <laughs> an electronic voice phenomenon, which is usually an audio voice response to something that we've asked that we did not hear in real time that we only heard after we go back and listen to the audio with headphones. Okay. And but that would actually technically be an AVP because AVP. you heard it. Yeah, that would have been an audible, audible voice. Okay. Now, and you're, you're talking about your, your, your box. What would you call the box? The spirit box. The spirit box. Mm-hmm. That's something that you use to capture to capture EVPs with, right? Uh, no, those would be audible communication in real yeah, time. Yeah, EVP is something. Well, traditional EVP is not heard at the time by the person there. But but with your spirit box, you can hear. That. You will hear it in real time. That yeah, if it's if it's the same. Show me the spirit box type of thing. We got two different sides. You're not going to get to see this because you're listening to this on a podcast. And yeah. unlike normal, we're not broadcasting on video. No, and we don't normally do that either. So, Sometimes we do. This is my oh, original shit. from over 10 years ago. I was, I, I wanted a big wooden box with some sort of... And this is the newer version. I have those. Right, I, I've, I've seen them at, at conventions. Where, where, so, so basically what he's given me is an iPod. Um, so, so tell me about the technology behind this device. What is it doing it's it, just scanning it's frequency, continuously. Frequency hopping? Radio yes. frequencies continuously scanning through them. And you said that you believe that the spirits are somehow manipulating the radio frequencies to show up on the... Being able to either use in their real voices or... It's, um, sorry. I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you fine. off. I, full disclosure for myself personally, I'm not a big fan of those, mostly because, one... You a lot of, and I'm not saying that it, I haven't heard amazing things on these things, but 
Um, a lot of people that use them mistake what's on the radio for something paranormal. Two, so they're is it, very, so, so very... So when you say what's on the radio, this is actually going to listen it's to gonna scan, all kinds of radio yes. frequencies. So it, it's on it every single one. FM 97.2. It's on every substation for a fraction of a second okay. or more. Which, which I don't know how much you know about this, but that's how radio encryption works for the military is what we call frequency hopping. So um, just, just as an aside... Um, I think that was the wind. It is. Yeah. Picking the up wind. out there. We've got some weather, which it is uh, apparently mistaken as ghosts a lot. So a Nice thunderstorm. On uh, hail and everything. Yes, it's sir. crazy. So, so military radios, when they're talking back and forth, if we don't want the bad guys to listen, then we have what's called frequency hopping. Instead of communicating on one frequency like we've got our walkie-talkies on channel 8, it might be going channel 8 to 10 to 2 to 5 to 6 to 7 to 9 to 2. And... It's doing that at hundreds of frequencies per second. And you have to have an encryption key, which means I'm broadcasting at the same frequency hop that they're mm-hmm. listening on. So it sounds like that we're listening in real time. But if you're not listening across the same pattern of frequencies, then you're not going to hear what's being said. Sounds to me like that's what you're talking it's about. It's very here. similar, except for it's going in sequential order for the stations, either re- in reverse or in forward. So now, micro- but except for there is another device that's created off of the PSB7 called the PS11, which is basically two spirit boxes in one, and you can set them to go in opposite directions. And I've, I've snapped a quick photo of those just so uh, so Jason can put them up so sure. people can see what we're talking about here. Just because, I, I mean, I've, I've heard people talk about these for years, but I've never actually seen one or seen what yeah. they do. Now so here- the, when you get the, the things that are impressive, at least to me, is when you have a voice that's carrying over several stations and could be as much as a sentence in length. And it, and in theory, if it's scanning through that fast, yeah, like so let's say you hit 99.7 and that's a station. 99.8, 99.6, you're probably going to hear that station too. So it may, like... You make hit a word or two. This is but, like on Grandpa's car, yeah. where you're where you're actually moving between. But for the most part, that's what they used if to you, use. If you're getting something that I that I've heard personally that I find impressive, it's strung out. Like I don't know of any station that can be, you know, ninety nine point seven, and it it could get to like one oh five or like probably more one oh two within a a second or less and it's still the voice is still going which in theory shouldn't be traveling across those stations i also think that these things personally also are affected by the person using them i've been with certain people that they seem to function better for that person than other people like like it's listening to my brain waves talking talking through things or Or that person has an innate cyclic an innate psychic ability or one that they may not even know about. Um, I've just seen that difference. I have one friend who has a, I've heard so many amazing things with his. And, and, he and I, I, I can vouch things. for this. He literally only has one friend. Yes, I do. So he happens, this, this friend happens to have a hundred different types of spirit boxes. Cause he used to be the tech guy for ghost adventures. So I've been on, investigations with him when we've used all of them 
That being said, we did use them one time in a mine 650 feet underground where there is no radio signal, and we didn't get a, a damn thing. So I think it's all an interpretation. I definitely think this field is stuck on these devices personally. I think we overuse them. But I don't want to mean that in that they're not useful and I haven't heard things that are impressive to me. But they're one of the biggest gripes I have about them is trying to listen to recordings of them. It's <laughs> so terrible. So anyways. So, so but yeah, you were using this. So so here here's here's my question. Um I, I know a lot of the the ghosts, if you will, the spirits or or whatever it is that we're we're looking for here are are people from days gone by. Yeah, got the divining rods here. We'll talk about those. Uh, the, the, these are people from days gone by, and I try to think of my grandparents trying to operate their iPhone, um, or you know, even a, the, the most basic uh, mm-hmm. handheld, you know, mobile telephone. Um, and you had said that you believe that the spirits are manipulating these radio frequencies so that we can be heard. Is that something that is is purportedly or expectedly conscious on their part, or uh, is it? it how, how do we think this works? Why do I've, we? Think I've this heard works? crazy stories of deceased children's phone numbers showing up calling their parents. I've, that that kind of stuff blows my mind, and how that sure. stuff would. I'd say that um, it's probably not that they're manipulating the device itself. There has been some, hand me that Ovulus device there. This device here is, I don't know what Ovulus, this is Ovulus 5. Ridiculously I haven't expensive. used an Ovulus since I, I think the 2. And I, I, I was, but the way that this works it is. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of functions. This has sensors in it that pick up on emf frequencies and the people that developed this and a lot of people that have been using these types of devices for a long time build a relationship with the spirit that they are talking to and kind of train them how to use them because a certain frequency on the emf field will have a different result on here so that's the idea behind these, that they can, the spirits can manipulate it to have a word pop up that they want or something pop up that they want because they've been trained by the investigator in a, through a relationship to do so. So this is like training Coco the monkey to do science. Sure. That's I, the thought I don't even mean those. to be yeah. ridiculous, but I mean, that's, mm-hmm. we, we, we're giving them a voice. Because you're right. You put this down in front of somebody, even if we're dealing with a spirit that's 10 from 10 years ago, they're not going to, or now, they're not going to know what this is right. or think, how to yeah. do anything. Yeah. Like, so you have to, it has to be a relationship with the spirit there. So, so Jason and I have had, had this talk uh, over the years. Um, the, the shadow man or the, the children that you think that you're hearing, do you, do you believe these to be remnants of, the departed, like deceased people, um, what 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 do you think it is, or or some sort of other spiritual manifestation, or I mean, what 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 is your own personal belief system behind what exactly it is that, that you think 
that you that you've experienced. Well, I'm a pastor's kid, so I deal with a lot of Christian people who have some negative feelings about it. You know, and only believe if you hear a child's spirit, then it's definitely a demon and nothing else, and you should never go messing that's, with it. Some religions, that's everything. Yeah. Everything that is either demon I've or never, angel. I've never heard that a child would only be a demon. Oh, you, uh, manipulating a child, trying to get you to give him that love, that attention, so it can feed off of that and, and negatively. I feel that way love. about a lot of live children. Hmm. Oh, yes. Um, so, okay. So, so you you were raised religious. Yes. Are you still religious? Yes, I uh, still consider myself a Christian. I go to church and try to do the best I can. Poor so, miserable. so, if, so. If, how do you reconcile what it is that you see and hear with uh, with biblical scripture or or biblical teachings? Would 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 the 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 children or the shadow man would this be someone who is functionally in purgatory? Or I mean, what 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 do you what do you? I think that sometimes, just like regular people, that the spirits can from time to time lose their way. And I do think that with certain people having certain abilities, being able to talk to them better than others, that sometimes those spirits may need just a little bit of help moving on. Have you ever had any experience with that? Yes. Tell me about it. The first time I ever got my dowsing rods, actually. Uh, and, and he did. He broke out, he broke out some dowsing rods. Yeah. So talk, talk to us about the dowsing rods. We're not going to find any water here, but we're going to find some spirits, right? Yeah, done both with them before. Really? Show, yeah. show, show, show them to me here. This is my second pair that I've ever owned, actually. Okay. Another pair. So, I... uh, and and I've seen dowsing rods in the past. I've only ever seen them for people using using them to find water. I've not seen them for. So 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 tell me tell me about these and how how these should work. So basically, with dowsing rods, you are definitely working with your own personal energy, and you're building a relationship with the spirits that you are trying to communicate with. And yeah, it's a learn in progress and fail in progress because you're wanting them to do one thing when they're probably trying to do something else. And God knows whether or not they can actually hear you in real time or if they can see you in real time. So is this something to, that you've constructed or purchased? No, or? I purchased these and yeah, trying to construct your own is pretty much just getting a couple metal wire hangers and sure. you know, bending them in the right way. But copper, I seem to feel like it is more of a conductive, or conduit that I that I can use easier to to speak with them. So, okay. Yeah. But uh, first time I ever broke out my spirit box in the home where my wife was living in, uh, I was just showing her how it, how it worked, and I was just like, well, you just turn it on, you just ask it questions like, hello, and then all of a sudden the thing just screamed out, hello, as loud as it could, and turned it off, threw it on the ground, and we didn't touch it the rest of the night. But she had always knew that there was an old lady spirit in her house and uh, her landlord's mom had passed away in the home or pretty much passed away in the home. And um, first time I got my set of dowsing rods, I sat in the living room for about a good 20, 30 minutes having a conversation with this woman, finding out about her, finding out why she didn't pass on, why she didn't cross over, why she didn't, and finding out who she was. And what does that, what does that mean, having a conversation like, like, yes we, like no Ouija, Ouija board type conversation? Yes or no questions. Okay. That's all you can ever really do with the, with the dowsing rods. You can ask whatever spirit is there to point in certain directions. This but that's the extent of it. I mean, I guess 
you could it's yes or no you could get letters by saying do this for a or do this for b and And then you would it would take be a hell of a process but then you could work out what they're trying to spell or say but yeah it's mostly yes or here's something that'll blow your mind sometimes i can think of the questions that i'm about to ask and it'll go ahead and answer before i even say it sure so that that's something when that'll only really happen when i've really can feel like it's Something's really right here trying to talk to me. So, so how many? Um, and you, you do believe that these are all all spirits of deceased? Is what what you're? Do you ninety nine point nine percent of the time? Yes. Okay. What are the alternatives? Energies that have been here for a lot longer than you and I that have manipulated or upgraded into something else. Uh, I mean, you can. You can create an energy force by a traumatic event happening somewhere. Okay. Now, whether that's definitely not something that's ever lived to life, but you, you think of all the the horrible things that have happened there. Yeah, there, there is a footprint that is left behind by every single living person. I believe that, and, and I think sometimes if the energy is in a bad way enough, it could manipulate itself into something else that could eventually. So, so as I look down here at the table, there's, there's, there's 14 boxes. Um, it's very, very four. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I don't count good. Um, it's, it's a pretty fancy setup. What else do you have here that, that you're, that we're going to be using tonight to, to help find the shadow man and the, the little girl and whatnot? What else can you, can you talk me through? So we got some motion sensor lights that we put in certain areas because if a shadow or a mist or uh, an orb that is re- illuminating its own light manifests itself somewhere around these motion sensor lights, then it'll trigger them to turn on, and we'll be like, oh, down the hall there's something moving, because it's not just going to go off on its own. So that's something that's a little bit fail-safe to use. Night vision cameras with our uh, K2 meters, the EMF detectors, the static detection, which is basically uh, an antenna rod that has a static field around it and if anything breaks that field it'll make a sound or make a light light up and those are really fun sometimes when sure you get somebody communicating with you okay well i'm excited to do this and like like i said i've it, it, it's always I, i've never not had a good time mm-hmm. just because it's always fascinating and i love to hear people's stories but you know this one a little bit more profound because of this great big box of books right here but uh um well, I mean that also the the setting is amazing. It's amazing. The building itself, it's the, um, the architecture, the history, the dilapidation is also. I mean, there, there's a, there's a certain elegance in. I mean, I, I took a photograph of the steps that were that had to have been built in the the twenties going up out of this place, and you know they're they're degraded and kind of grown up through, and it's just it's beautiful. Um, so there, there's, there, there, there's certainly something left in the building. I mean, the building's got kind of a life of its own, I would certainly say. Um, I, I think the most frustrating thing for me about the experience, um, uh, two of the floors have been used, uh, and it's been a decade probably yeah. as a haunted house because More it is a little I bit, 2007 yeah, it's a little bit creepy, but um, I, I've been on a couple of these in places where 
where they they've used them to make a little bit of cash and and, and have have fun spooking kids and uh, when they do that they they destroy some of the the elegance of the of the 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 history and then the building falling down on its own and I I don't I don't love that and I think it it kind of gets in the way of of the reality of it and it makes it look makes it less that's real. I think because of where the money's going to that if whatever spirit that sure. is known, you know, sure. knowing what's going on, I think they'd be happy yeah. with it. Right. Know? Well, it, not it, that they're using yeah. it for their own personal no, no, gain no, no, or anything. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not being critical of the people raising money for their their charity or whatever. I understand that. I just mean for me being here today, I mean, the the floors that we're on and the rooms that we're in that have not been manipulated for those purposes have a completely different um, effect on me when I'm in them than the ones that look like they've been decorated to have blood on the walls from uh, a haunted house 10 years ago. You know, I'm going to be less likely to feel like I can ever experience something supernatural in the theater because I know that it's theater. And that, to me, is going to get in the way, even if I do experience something. And you know, I like, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm skeptical. I've not ever seen anything, but I'm open, and I would love to. I would love to know that there's something more out there than than what than you know, just this life that we have here. Uh, so I, I'm always looking for that. But I, to, to me, that that's probably the most frustrating part is that they come in here and make that mess, and, and they've they've wrecked those parts of the building that. That um, that we could be experiencing, and, and I was talking to Jason. It's almost like like a weird kind of of I don't even I don't even know how I said it, but some sort of a, a bastardized ar- uh, archaeology of of what we're doing here, kind of looking through some of this old stuff. It's just it's just fascinating. Yeah. This, this, and this the is spirits history. here are going to remember you because you serenaded them last night with the piano. I did. I played piano for them, but. We also had had this. I got, had to listen to Simon and Garfunkel in my brain all night long because you sang one song. Disturbed. That was a disturbed version. Well, it was yeah. <laughs> still it was Simon and Garfunkel in my brain. All right. Well, we could talk about all this stuff all night long. I just hope, but and we want to get to it. I just hope and pray that he gets to experience just a small fraction of the things that we have here. I'm going to go ahead and end this episode with the caveat that if we have something happen, we're going to come back here and hit record and, and uh, keep it going. When, so when we have something, yeah. yeah. Well, but, I, I want to thank both of yeah. you guys for having me here because you know this is my first time in in this particular spot, and you know J- Jason's always really good in inviting me uh, to to go places, and I I always tell him no and he always invites me again and then every once in a while it works out so yeah. I, I appreciate you always asking me because i always do have have a really great time i mean it, whether i see something or i don't see something it's never not been a good experience so thank you very much i will always crawl into a tunnel with you yeah we, you we, we did some like, serious <laughs> tunnel tunnel rat work today that that i would have to say that that tunnel had probably regained its you know virgin status because it probably hadn't had anybody in there in 50 years, and you guys, you know. We rediscovered it. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We rediscovered it. So sure. You got all greasy while doing it. There, there was, there, there, there actually is a tunnel that is, is a crawl space large enough to, to stand up and walk through uh, that goes, I don't know, uh, 50 meters 
or at least, lo- or at least 50 meters um, out uh, beyond the property. Uh, and, and we'd heard tell of the tunnels that, that went under there, but I don't know that anybody knew really where they were. And we found a couple of crawl spaces and managed to crawl down a little bit deeper and deeper and brought some cameras down there and got, we climbed through the spiders and the mud and the muck and, and it just kept going and going. And it's like, we're not under the building anymore. We're, you know, uh, been, been here a, 10 years and never experienced anything a, like that. That was, was amazing. It was a really kind of, kind of an exciting thing. No ghosts, but, but it was really neat. Yeah. Have been. Well, they had, they didn't they've they've forgotten where the tunnel is too. They don't yeah. like spiders either, man. <laughs> well, thank you, and uh, and maybe we come back later. Yeah. Network. Go to podbelly.com where you too can pig out on podcasts.